This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey y'all, it's Crystal. And this week, Samantha and I are both on vacations, which never happens, so yay for that. And we didn't want to leave you guys without an episode this week, so we hope you enjoy our latest bonus episode, The Yuba County Five. And until next week, keep it awkward. Okay, bye. Hey, y'all, it's Crystal. And it's Samantha. And this is Serialholic Sisters. Bonus episode, true crime shit. <laughs> what, what? That was weird. <laughs> I, I, just, I just did it like it just came to me and I just also I can we it. not do can it not come to you next time because that'd be great <laughs> <laughs> it, just came, it just came to me it just happened <laughs> like all can, right can we make it not a th- it's not fetch <laughs> so I'm trying to make fetch a thing fetch is an awesome thing so happy bonus episode day what what yeah yeah it is it's only the 27th of the month <laughs> I'm sorry I had all the flus, okay? <laughs> you, did. you did have all of the flus. <laughs> I did have all of the flus, like every single one of them. So it is my turn. Mm-hmm. I like to just get into the bonus episodes, not do a lot of chit chat. Mm-hmm. And this, do this thing. is going to be the most that I've talked in the last week because I've been dying. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> but it's fun. Let's do it. So. I am going to use this episode to again talk about something a little bit different than the normal cases we cover. Okay. It's definitely still true crime related, um, but it's not like your average murderer or serial killer or whatever. I see you, girl. Okay. Okay. So I'm just going to get into it. And um, I'm going to be talking about what is sometimes referred to as the American Date Love Pass. I'm going to tell you about, yeah, the Yuba County Five. I don't know this one. So I did not know this one at all. And I was like, what am I going to do? I want to do something pretty cool. That's not cool. Like that's terrible wording. Um, (laughs) I want to do something like different, you know? And so I was like, I really liked looking into the date of past one. And so I'm like, let me like, I literally Googled cases related to, or similar to date of past. And I, and it led me to Reddit, which is a huge rabbit hole and <laughs> it is it, it is. is and I saw how long of, did that take it took a while it took a while but I had time because I had all the flus so I was just like at home in the rabbit hole and so <laughs> every time she wasn't every time she wasn't asleep she was just it's true literally on reddit <laughs> it's, it's true it's true I was so the Yuba County Five is a group of five men from U- Yuba County hence the name okay um they all lived in Yuba City California with their families so these men are most commonly referred to as the boys by their families, even though their ages ages ranged from 24 to 32. Call me a boy. <laughs> <laughs> so this is because this is because they were all either mildly intellectually disabled or had some kind of like mental health disability. Hmm. So they they could just kind of like refer to them as the boys, but they were all like high functioning. Okay. So um they had all met through what was called the gateway project and that was a yuba city organization for adults with special needs so they all kind of met through there that's a really shitty name (laughs) gateway project yes (laughs) sorry well here gateway is like not a good word (laughs) well well, here gate well where i live gateway is what is the um school that you go to like when you drop out of school to get your ged it's called gateway oh so that's what I thought of immediately because just that's what's around here but yeah so gateway project um so I'm going to take a little bit to talk about a little bit about like who these guys were okay so the group included 32 year old Ted Wire 30 year old Jack Madruga 29 year old Bill Sterling 25 year old Gary Mathias and 24 year old Jack Hewitt who went by Jackie there was two Jacks but one of them went by Jackie 
Oh, okay. So we're going to start with Jackie Hewitt. He was the youngest of the group and his disability was the most severe of the group. So he couldn't read or write or even like dial a number on the telephone. Um, just makes me so sad. <laughs> yeah. So Jackie was, he was fairly uncomfortable in social situations and didn't do well around strangers. But when he was around like close friends and family, he was super comfortable and he was described as funny and lighthearted and got along extremely well with everyone that he was close to. So did they always have like somebody with them? Because if he couldn't like dial the phone, that's kind of concerning if he can't like dial 911. So no, but. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> they, like, like I said, they were all high functioning. So it's not like they were like. High functioning but, my ass. You can't no. dial the phone. <laughs> well, that's because he couldn't read or didn't know numbers really. Like he wasn't, he, uh, it's fine. Like, okay. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, it's not fine, but all right. Well, his, so his best friend in the group was. I mean, my four-year-old is called 911 multiple times on accident. She has. She totally has. On she did it when I was there. Yeah. I know. In fact, I even had one time, it's so crazy, but one time I actually had a police officer show up at my door because she Dude, dialed that happened 911. when I was there. When, and we thought it was the pizza that we had ordered. <laughs> yes. And we thought, yes. Oh, you were there, weren't you? I was. Yeah. Because I was like, uh, can I help you? And they're like, yeah, um, we got They're like, yeah, call. what's wrong? <laughs> we find out my daughter called 911. And she was just like, not chit-chatting with anybody, but she just like dialed it because she uses, her dad's old phone had games on it. So we had to like block the whole. Um, right. With phones that like, don't work, you, you can still call 911. Yes, you definitely can we learned I, mean, I knew it anyways but we definitely learned that she she had no problem dialing 911 police officer like, shows up at the door I, and they're like can we help you and you're like yeah where's my pizza I wonder what conversations were going on what phone call or what conversations were we having in the background that they heard oh there's no telling because I think we were playing weren't we playing a game like we were playing a board game <laughs> yeah I don't remember what game yeah. it was and but yeah if if we were playing a board game, it was not an appropriate one. <laughs> it was an inappropriate board game as the small child calls 911. So that's cool. Um, <laughs> Parent win. <laughs> so um, they were all, like, like I said, they were all high functioning. His best friend in the group was Ted Weyer, who was the oldest one in the group. And he kind of took like a big brother role towards Jackie. So the two of them were super close and Ted like looked after Jackie and took care of him and he was known to make phone calls for Jackie on his behalf like if Jackie had like this important phone call that he had to make but he was super uncomfortable making the call because he didn't like talking to strangers Ted would step in and like make the call for him so like he was always looking out for him um Ted was described as an extremely friendly and outgoing person but like he was friendly almost to a fault so he would like wave to random people and always wanted to strike up a conversation with like anybody and everybody strangers danger yes and he would actually get upset if someone didn't wave back to him or like engage in that conversation because he was like super social and friendly and he just like wanted to be friends with everyone um he was also sometimes described by like loved ones as lacking common sense so one example of this would be the time that he spent 100 dollars on pencils just for no reason at all he just bought a hundred dollars with pencils hey <laughs> it makes me think of the time when my oldest <laughs> purchased roblox blocks coins on the xbox and he spent five hundred dollars and i, I remember fight, that and i had to fight with the xbox people to return the money because it was by mistake obviously right. like, why the hell would i buy five hundred dollars of fake money <laughs> fake money fake money, fake money. <laughs> so another example is of him like lacking common sense is the time that his family had to literally drag him out of a burning building oh, so the, no the family home had caught fire and ted's brother was like trying to get him out he's like come on dude like the house on fire we gotta go but ted was like no leave me alone like I gotta get some rest because I have work tomorrow so I, need you to, like, leave me alone. <laughs> I mean I, I, I feel him on that level 
she's like I'm just trying to rest for work like leave like, me alone. I don't like to be woke up either right especially so, for an inconvenience like my house on fire that's so inconvenient for me right now like if you could just not, like leave me alone that'd be great so it was things like that that led people to say that he lacked common sense well yeah um you'll have that on the bigger job Ted Ted had been working at a local snack bar, but his family was hoping that he would quit soon because they were worried that the job was becoming like too stressful for him and like stressful situations. Like he didn't do well. Do well. Yeah. So let's go to Bill Sterling. Bill was described as an incredibly nice person with a genuinely good soul. He was deeply religious and would spend a lot of time going to the library and like reading Christian literature. Mm-hmm. And he would also spend a lot of his free time volunteering at mental institutions. Like he would go there and read to the patients and like spend time with them and get to know them and just make them feel like they had a friend and they weren't alone. Oh, that's so sweet. Uh Uh-huh. He was always like, he was just described as like an all around great human being. He was most close with Jack Madruga, the other Jack in the group. So Jack was an army veteran who had previously served in Vietnam And Jack had been discharged from the army after a medical evaluation determined that his IQ was too low for him to like be in in the army. How did that happen? Right. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. I mean, don't you have to take tests to be in the army? Okay. That's what I was saying. I was like, well, you should probably check that before. Not just tests, but you have to take like withstand like boot camp and stuff too. Also, like he served in Vietnam. They were literally just trying to get people i know i know things have changed now but i'm just like oh damn (laughs) right you should probably check into that before you send him to go fight in a war so after being discharged jack got a job as a dishwasher at sunset growers which was a dried fruit company and he actually helped bill get a job as a dishwasher also but bill was eventually fired because he couldn't figure out like how to use the dishwashing equipment oh yeah sad Then Bill eventually got another job as a dishwasher at the Beale Air Force Base, but his mother made him quit the job when she found out that the men at the base would get Bill drunk and then steal his money. Oh, that's fucked up. That's so fucked up. They were literally just like, oh, this guy, this is a simple guy. Like, he doesn't know what's going on. Let's, let's just steal. Oh, that's not right. Mm -mm. Nope. So Jack was the only one of the five that had a driver's license. So he was like the designated driver of the group. And this was perfectly fine with him because this meant that he got to drive everyone around in his baby. So he had a turquoise and white 1969 Mercury Montego. Mm -hmm. And this car was like his pride and joy. Like he loved this car more than anything. So he was fine just riding everybody around all the time. And then last but not least, we have Gary Mathias. At 25 years old, he was the unofficial ringleader of the group. So Gary was also an army veteran. And like Jack, he had been discharged after a medical evaluation. Um, He had been using drugs during his time in the service Mm. and was eventually arrested for going AWOL. Now, during this arrest, he asked two sergeants to come to his cell. He's like, hey, come here. I got to tell you something. So when they walk over, um, he punched one of them in the face and then tried to hit the other one, but they like subdued him. Right. For a second. <laughs> I just gotta tell you something. Wow. So he later reported that's like shit that me and Sean would do to each other. It really does. <laughs> and he'd be like, don't tell mom. So- <laughs> Except Sean, Sean's tactics. <laughs> and I know he's probably gonna listen to this, but Sean's tactics. Probably was- not, actually. <laughs> You're right, but Sean. He used to sit on me because he was, (laughs) I was just like this tiny little. You were like a string being. Yes. Yes. And he was, he was a chubby little boy. And anytime that we got into a fight, he would literally sit on me. I mean, that's all he had to do. And you were subdued. Like that was, (laughs) you you were helpless. You couldn't do anything. (laughs) So um, he later reported that he did this, like punch the people because he said quote I've been in the army and I don't like it and I thought if I hit a cop maybe they'd let me out so like he was trying to get out of the army he didn't want to be there anymore so after this and a few other violent incidents he was given a medical evaluation and during this medical medical during this evaluation um Gary was actually diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia oh 
Yes. So when he was discharged, he returned home to live with his parents. And initially he really struggled with his diagnosis. He continued to have violent outbursts and like run-ins with the police. And he had like multiple bar fights, attempted grand theft auto. That's not good. Disturbing the peace and breaking into, he broke into a couple's home and attempt to find a ring that he said he was supposed to return to Satan. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, he, he was having some issues. I mean, um, I feel like you should definitely let him return the ring. <laughs> right. Let him give the ring to Satan. Like, let him give it back. Like, you don't want that ring. So he was having some issues. He wasn't handling that diagnosis well. Eventually, his doctor did find the right combination of medications and like treatment. And Gary like became totally stabilized. And so he was considered to be high functioning because he got to a point where his symptoms would only act up in like high stressful situations. Okay. So as long as he, he was on his meds, he was good. Um, he even got to the point where he was able to hold down a steady job with his stepfather, Bob, in his landscaping business. And um, Gary was the last one to join the Gateway Project. And this is how he met the other boys. And at first, the other boy's parents were like a little iffy about this new friendship. They're like, yeah, we don't really know a lot about him. But they all seemed to get along really well. And they got super close with Gary pretty quickly. So they're like, okay, this is fine. Like, y'all can hang out. Now, what really brought the group together and made them so close was their shared love of basketball. They were always either talking about basketball or watching it or like playing basketball. That, that, that was their life. They loved it. They even played on a basketball team together through the Gateway Project called the Gateway Gators. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like the name. <laughs> I know. And they were like super passionate about this team. Um, their team was actually scheduled to play in a tournament that was sponsored by the Special Olympics. And like in this tournament, whichever team won would get like a free trip to Los Angeles. So they were like super excited about this tournament. They're like, oh yeah, like we got it. We got to win this. We got to win this trip. Um, the tournament was set to start on February 25th, 1978. So it just so happened that the night before the tournament started, the boys' favorite basketball team, UC Davis, was playing in Chico, California, which was only 50 miles away from them. So they were like stoked. They were like, we got to go watch this game. Like, that's an awesome coincidence that our favorite team is playing so close to us the night before our tournament starts. Like, this is perfect. It's going to get us all pumped up. Like, we're, we're going to win this tournament. Like, this is awesome. So their parents were like, do you really think it's a great idea to go to this game the night before? Like, you should get plenty of rest tonight. And they're like, no, like, it's fine. This game starts pretty early and it should end in plenty of time for us to get home and get some rest. So the five of them loaded up in Jack's car and they drove the 50 miles to Chico and they watched the game. Their team, UC Davis, ended up winning the game. So night's going pretty great for them. And then this is where we get to the true crime aspect of this story. Okay. So there were multiple witnesses that saw the five of them at the game. So we know that they were at the game. That they were they, there. They were there. Yes. So after the game, the boys got into Jack's Montego and they drove to a nearby convenience store called Bears Market in Chico. And they okay. like loaded up on snacks and drinks <laughs> for their trip out. And they're like, okay, let's get some food. We're hungry. We know that this actually happened because the owner of the store specifically remembers them coming in around 10 which was shortly after the basketball game ended because that was the time that he was trying to close the store and he remembers like being annoyed and having to wait for these five people to like get their shit and get out so like we know that they were there okay um this sighting is possibly the last time anyone would see the boys alive well that's sad mm -hmm. so a few of the boys parents had stayed up waiting for them to get home Remember, it's like 1978, so they couldn't like text them or call them. There's no right. cell phones. So the later it got in the night, the more concerned they were becoming. And eventually they were like calling around to each other to see if anybody had like seen or heard from them. And they got super worried because this was like very uncharacteristic behavior for all of them. Not like them. Right. They would never stay out like super late, especially when they had like this huge thing, like the basketball tournament the next day that they had held. That they were and, like all super stoked for. Right. So when by very early the next morning, all the family, like when they hadn't come home, all the families called the police and they're like, hey, like something's wrong here. This isn't right. The police officer that was put in charge of the investigation had actually gone to high school with Ted. So he felt kind of like a personal connection with the case and was like really invested in finding them. Which is good. I mean, it's 
it's sad to say that because a lot of times you don't want them to be personal right because then they make it too personal and then they get too involved and then things usually go sour and it doesn't end well but in in this case I'm like rooting for it because he's like you know they're not they're simple right they're simple boys they so I want I want him to be invested (laughs) yeah he's super invested um after searching the Chico area for a few hours and coming up with nothing he decided like hey we should expand the search area like we should go farther out we're not finding anything so this would ultimately lead to the to the discovery of Jack's car just a few days later so the car was do what I said his baby his baby the car was found 70 miles from Chico headed towards the opposite direction they should have been going to go back towards Yuba City so it was like 70 miles in the completely wrong direction and it was found in a remote forest on a dirt access road near Plumas National Forest. So there was no reason for them to ever be on that road. Like it didn't make any sense. It was not like a highway. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense because it's not like something that I feel like he would even think of. To right, do. right. It also didn't make any sense that the boys had abandoned the car. So initially they were like, okay, maybe they made a wrong turn and they got lost and they ran out of gas and that's why they weren't around the car. But after checking, they realized that the car was fine. Like there was a quarter tank of gas, so it hadn't run out of gas. Um, It was covered in snow in that area because it was February, but like the car wasn't stuck in the snow. So it's not like they got stuck and couldn't go anywhere. The keys were nowhere to be found but police were able to like hotwire it. And that's how they realized that there was nothing mechanically wrong with the car. Like it was completely drivable. So it had literally just been like stopped, put in park and they had got out. Seemed like they just got out and took off walking. It made no sense. They searched the car and there were no kinds of clues pointing like to anything. Like the keys were gone, all the doors were shut. So it's not like they got out in a hurry and like took off running. There was one window that was slightly rolled down in the back. And there were empty candy bar wrappers and like Coke cans and stuff from their convenience store stop, like all in the car. But like, that was it. So nothing really out of the ordinary other than the fact that none of this made any kind of sense. And that they weren't around. (laughs) Right. And they were not anywhere around. According to their families, they most definitely would not have abandoned their car for no reason. Jack Madruga's mother even stated that there's no way he would have gone voluntarily into the mountains at night. This was because he hated camping and he did not like to be like uncomfortable or cold. And it was February and snowing, like they're out in the woods. And also several of the boys were like afraid of the dark and a few of them really despised cold weather and like the outdoors altogether, which like same, but like, (laughs) so there was no reason for them to be. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, I feel you on that level too. (laughs) Like for real, I do not want to be cold or outside so i will say i would rather be i would rather be cold weather than hot weather though i hate i would because you can put more clothes on and there's only so many clothes you can take off so right (laughs) um the families were super concerned for several reasons but one of them was that the boys were not dressed for like snowy mountain weather at all like they'd just been wearing normal clothes and light jackets because they were just going to a basketball game like they weren't like dressed for mountain snow weather (laughs) so now they started searching all around the area where the car was found and they're looking everywhere and there's no signs of them anywhere the terrain was super rugged and like difficult to search and some places you could only get through on horseback so that's like a lot of the search was done like deputies from around the area like got on horseback they got on four-wheelers Some of them were on foot with dogs um, and they even got helicopters. So they're like searching everywhere, but they're coming up with nothing. And then to make matters worse, a massive snowstorm hit the area and completely covered everything. So they were forced to stop searching until like spring when everything started melting. Oh my God. Uh Uh-huh. Like they couldn't get through. So adding a little more mystery to the investigation, a possible witness came forward. A 55-year-old man named Joseph Shones told police that he had seen the Mercury Montego between 11 and midnight on the night of February 24th. So Joseph claims that he had gotten into his Volkswagen 
and he was driving around and he got stuck in the snow while he was driving on the same road where the car the abandoned car had been found mm-hmm. he told them that he was driving on the road because he was trying to scope out the area and see if the weather conditions would be okay for him to bring his family to the national forest park the next day and clearly they were not favorable because he got stuck in the snow like that also was not a- i think that's a super weird thing to do but whatever right yeah <laughs> like I'm sorry at Why 11 open it at out midnight? at night <laughs> right okay uh, so, sorry but that sounds suspicious it sounds suspicious so he gets out because his car stuck so he gets out and he's gonna like try to push his car out or like dig it out of the snow and push it or whatever he's pushing the car he's pushing the car he's trying to dig the snow and then all of a sudden he feels a severe sharp pain in his chest and he realizes that he's having a heart attack oh my god <laughs> right <laughs> i'm so, sorry i'm not trying to laugh that's awful <laughs> that is like his night cannot get any worse he's driving around he gets stuck in the snow and then then he has a heart attack so he goes back to his car like he made his way back into his car and he like climbs in and he turns the heat on and he's like i'm just gonna sit here and try to relax and i'm gonna hope that somebody's gonna drive by at some point and help me because i'm having a heart attack and this is awful Now, his car was stuck about 150 feet from where Jack's car had been found, so not very far. That's why he stole the car. Right. Well, yes. So, around, he said around 11 p.m. that night, he heard whistling noises coming from the side of the road. And so, he's like, so I get out of the car, and I'm hoping that, like, there's help here. And he says that he saw a group of five men and a woman with a baby. Right. Right. So he said that he then saw the men climb and <laughs> you say right, right, but nobody can see my face. Yeah, I'm nobody can like, see your what? face. Her face is confuzzled. <laughs> she is confusion. <laughs> she, she's like, like, what the fuck? Right. So, a woman and a baby. These guys don't know nothing about that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know nothing about no woman and no baby. <laughs> <laughs> no woman, no baby. <laughs> so um, he says that he saw the men climb into a pickup truck that then drove off. He ended up waiting for a few hours and then eventually he decided that he was going to walk back to his family cabin for help that was after having a heart attack. Yes. And the cabin was eight miles away from where he was. stuck. <laughs> so he had this heart attack and then he's going to walk eight miles to this cabin. And that's I what he did. I feel like this bullshit. So he walked eight miles while having a heart attack through snow covered four sea mountains. This motherfucker is a liar. Now, Shones later said that he couldn't confirm without a doubt that there had been a second car, like the pickup truck. He's like, I was half conscious. I was not lucid. I was, I like, was having a heart attack. <laughs> he was like, I could have been hallucinating from the pain of my heart attack. Like, I don't know 100%. I can't say 100% that there was no, another car. But I do know 100% that I had definitely seen the Mercury and the five men. So he also couldn't confirm that he had seen the woman with the baby. He was just like, that was the first story he told and then whenever he retold it he never mentioned them again like that was just it it does seem weird and like slightly sketchy to be like hey uh not just slightly (laughs) like he's like hey okay i have this info about these missing people but i'm gonna keep changing my story because i can't remember because i just happened to have Uh, a heart when i was alone and nobody can confirm that that really happened So what they did was they actually like, and then just happened to walk eight miles. Right. Well, they, they checked his heart out. They're like, let's go to the hospital and check your heart out to see. And he actually did have a heart attack. Like they confirmed that that did happen. <laughs> <laughs> so that was true. Um, now he definitely could have been like, he could have seen the car since he was so close to where it was stopped. Like when he got out to walk, he could have like walked past the car. Right. But he could have hallucinated seeing the men or could have later heard about them being missing and been like oh yeah I definitely saw them like there's no telling so shortly after Joseph came forward another possible witness came forward saying that she had seen the five men in a red 1950s pickup truck around 2 p.m on the 25th of February so the next day after so the next day right so she claimed that she had seen the men outside of a store in Brownsville which was about an hour away from Jack's car had been found there's a ton of theories about this case and most people don't think that this witness account is actually true like I, at all. that doesn't sound right like right. you're talking somebody like half these boys don't like strangers 
they don't right. like people. <laughs> they're not just going to abandon Jack's baby and get into some random ass pickup truck. And they're not going to walk with some random woman in a baby, like pregnant woman or woman in no. a baby or whatever. And they know and that they have this tournament the next day that they're super stoked for. Like that they've been wanting to do this whole time. Like right. that doesn't, this doesn't make sense. It You're doesn't right. make sense. This is, I'm so confused. <laughs> I am confusion. So during this time, the police couldn't search the area due to the weather conditions. And they got a ton of like random ass tips like this and like possible sightings. And like, they all turned out to be completely false like they're looking into all the stuff and like nothing's adding up which is, is so shitty i hate so shitty like it completely if you absolutely have seen something and know something please step forward and say something but if you haven't then shut the fuck you up haven't, you don't sound like a good person <laughs> no don't be like oh let me let me look like a good person by trying to help no what you're doing is you're slowing down the investigation when they could be the using this time to actually find them right So one of the families during this time, they ended up deciding to contact a psychic to try to help. So they're getting like, they're getting super frustrated with all these false tips and they're just like looking for answers. So they contact a scam artist. Got it. (laughs) So they actually got in touch with a couple of psychics. Now, one of them said- Convenience. (laughs) Right. Well, they're just looking for answers. I don't blame them. They're looking for answers. They they want their- No, it just, it's very- sucky that people do that too but whatever so one of the psychics said that the boys had been kidnapped and that they were now in either arizona or nevada um right like what 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 is this where you get also why would you if you don't know 100 percent, why would you tell a family this like it's fucked up the other the other psychic was super specific about what she thought happened so she told the family that the boys were murdered in Orville, which was a town near where the car had been found. She was like, they've been murdered in Orville inside of this two-story, either red brick or painted redwood house. So she's like super specific. She even told them the address to this house was either 4723 or 4753. Like she's giving oh. them all these details, right? So clearly they're like, oh my God, this is so detailed. Like this has to be like, there has to be something to it. So they actually searched the town of Orville for days, like driving up and down every road, searching for this house, but they never found it because the psychic was completely full of shit, which is awful. Like that was just another Again. false lead, right? Again, you have to be a really shitty ass, terrible person. Uh, just, that's bruh. Like just make shit up and mislead families that are looking for like their missing loved ones. Like I don't fucking get it. And make a quick buck. Mm-hmm bruh so the case had seemed to have gone completely cold that is until four months later when the snow in the mountains was finally starting to melt so on june 4th a group of motorcyclists were riding in the forest about 20 miles from where the montego had been found and they came across a cul-de-sac and decided like they're like oh this seems like a good place to like park our bikes and stretch our legs so they parked their bikes and they started walking around And they noticed an abandoned trailer that had served as a service park camp that was maintained by the forestry service. But like it hadn't been upkept for a while, probably because of like all the crazy amount of snow they had. So it it was just been kind of like abandoned. So they're curious like George and they're like, let's go check out this trailer. Let's go see what it's all about. And (laughs) what? (laughs) You never go do that. No, like. (laughs) That's like. That's like when you watch the scary movies or whatever, and they're like, oh, don't go up the stairs. Why are you going to lock yourself farther into the fucking house? What's that noise upstairs? (laughs) Or no, the murder's inside the house. They're chasing you and you run upstairs. (laughs) And you're like, how the fuck are you going to get downstairs and out of the house, you stupid fuck? Or when you're you're freaking running. I don't. Or when you're running and you stop and turn around. Right? Like, see if they're still chasing you. <laughs> yup, they're still there, but now they're closer because you fucking nobody stopped. wants Nobody wants to watch movies with me, scary movies <laughs> with me, because I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you're that person yelling in the theater. I am that person. I am that person. Did I tell you, speaking of yelling in theater, did I tell you that I'm old and 
it's when Sean came to our did brother you, came to visit me. Did you fall asleep? <laughs> no, no, I'm even older than that. So what had happened was before I got the flu, we went to the movie theater and we go to watch this movie and we get in there and we're like, oh, this is awesome. We're like the only people here. Like, cause it's like the daytime. Mm-hmm. Maybe people are not coming, whatever. So like, cool. We're the only ones here. We go sit down and then like a fucking busload of teenage kids comes in. And then you're like, let's go. And by teenage, I mean, they look like they couldn't be older than 13. Like they looked young. And before the movie starts, they're all like talking and laughing and whatever. I'm like, okay, they're kids. They're having fun. Whatever. The movie's not going on. You shushed teenagers. Girl, girl, I did not shush them. I said, (laughs) let me tell you what I said. It surprised me. When it came out of my mouth, it surprised me just as much as it surprised them. They're like the movie had been going on for like five minutes and they would not shut the fuck up. And I literally, I said, children, be quiet. (laughs) (laughs) And he Sean was in there. I said, children, be quiet. And he literally like looked straight ahead and like, like, I don't know this person. (laughs) So this is how I feel when, uh, when people like to freaking drive really fast down my street teenagers that drive down our street with like the big lifted trucks here they like to go super super fast and it's really freaking obnoxious because we've got little kids you know mm-hmm. so I was outside I had just gotten home like pulled up to my my house and was getting out of the car and one of the trucks was driving really fast there's literally no kids around but I I laid on my horn and I was like slow the heck down you little kid <laughs> and all I all I can think of is oh my god I'm like the the 50 year old neighbors that are like get out of my yard right you're that old man on your front porch you're Clint Eastwood yeah. <laughs> yelling people to get out of your yard <laughs> I was anywho continue <laughs> anywho, they're curious like George they're like let's go check out this trailer let's see what it's all about um as soon as they get get to the camp they noticed a window on the front had been broken and they were hit with a completely overpowering putrid smell. Uh, yeah. So uh, they, <laughs> they described it as a smell that they had never smelled before and said it immediately made them feel sick to their stomachs. So they opened the door. <laughs> which why like, would why? you do that? <laughs> right. They opened the door. <laughs> Again. <laughs> why (laughs) why do you keep doing these stupid things right so they open the door and they peek inside and to their horror they see the body of ted weyer ted was found lying on a bed inside the trailer he was frozen and slowly thawing out and he was wrapped in eight blankets in a very like meticulous manner that didn't seem like it was something that he could have done to himself like it seemed like somebody had wrapped these blankets around him in a certain way right he wasn't wearing any shoes and um like that day he had been wearing leather boots and these boots were nowhere to be found like in the trailer or anywhere near it he was just like barefoot now because of this his feet were so badly like frostbitten that he was missing a few toes oh the rest of his body was not in much better condition so before he had gone missing he weighed roughly 200 pounds but he now weighed approximately 100 pounds. So he'd lost like half of his body weight. He was like alive? Well, yes. So his facial hair had grown a considerable amount. Like he, yeah. And by piecing together like the weight loss and the facial grow he- facial hair growth together, investigators determined that he'd been laying there for approximately like somewhere between eight and 13 weeks. He had been alive. Oh my God. How come he didn't just get up? Exactly. So they determined that he had died from a combination of starvation and exposure to the elements. Now, the weird thing about this was that the trailer, like in the trailer in plain sight, there was tons of fire making materials. Like there was a ton of books, there was matches, there was firewood, there was wood furniture. Do you think he was like moved there? I don't know. Um, in addition to this, there was also a lot of heavy, heavy clothing that was meant for cold weather conditions. Like there was a ton of like extra clothes that he could put on. And there was a huge stockpile of food, like a huge amount. Like there was enough. He had to, 
He had to have been moved there. There was enough dehydrated, dehydrated meals and like military ration type meals to feed five grown men for well over a year, like for several years. He had to have been moved there. So there was also an almost completely full propane tank out back that if they had just turned it on, it would have like heated the trailer. But they wouldn't have known to do that anyways. Right. I'm just saying they wouldn't have known to do that. They, they wouldn't know that's that. different but so one of them for sure should have known how to do that so this seemed like the perfect place to stumble upon if you're lost in the woods in the middle of a snowstorm like you've okay. got all of these supplies to help you supplies. but there was no signs that any of these supplies were ever touched now you could argue that ted lacked the common sense like everybody always said he lacked common sense you could say that he lacked the common sense to make a fire or to use like any of the resources that were right there in front of him. But Gary's shoes were found inside the trailer, leading many to believe that he had been there and he had taken Ted's leather boots that were never found. Like he took his shoes off, left them, and took Ted's boots. Now, remember, Gary. Gary in, Gary's sch the schizophrenic. He's the schizophrenic one. He's the one that had been in the army. So he definitely would have been taught like survival skills and what to do in a situation like this. Like he would have known how to be resourceful and use things in front of him to stay alive. So it doesn't really make sense for him to have been there and not have been like, hey, we need to make a fire. We can use this. We can use this. Hey, here's this food. Here's these clothes. Like he should have known how to use all of that right there in front of them mm -hmm. so the day after ted's body was found searchers discovered bill and jack's remains about four and a half miles from the trailer where ted was discovered so jack still had his car keys in his pocket there wasn't much left of them because it seemed like animals had discovered their buddies bodies before the searchers did mm -hmm. but regardless of this investigators were able to determine to determine that both men had died of hypothermia so they even theorized that um, one of them may have succumbed to the like the desire to sleep, which is one of the final stages of hypothermia. And right. the other one then just like refused to leave their friend's side. They just kind of like stayed with them. Mm -hmm. Again, that's like, that's speculation. They don't know for sure, but that's kind of what they think. Right. Um, shortly after the discovery of Bill and Jack, Jackie Hewitt's body was found two miles from the trailer by his own father which is just oh awful. no yeah so his father had rejoined the search when they'd heard news of the first body being found and so he was that like oh so right it's not not the saddest fucking thing ever so investigators believe that jackie may have been in the trailer with ted when he died and that he'd become like scared and confused and like ran out of the trailer and then also died of hypothermia so now they found the bodies of four of the five missing men the only one left is Gary. And mm -hmm. to this day, he has never been found. Oh my God. Like they've never found Gary. Yeah, right? So- Yeah, that brings so many questions now. So many questions. The only other possible clue the investigators discovered was found about a quarter mile away from the trailer. And they found what appeared to be a very small camp. So it was just like a bunch of blankets and a flashlight all together. Right. But they were like, well, maybe he may have camped out there for a little while, but then they have no idea where he would have gone from there. But also with all those things at the trailer, like why wouldn't he just fucking stay there? Especially with him having like the army background and all that, like it didn't make sense. So what could have happened? <laughs> what, <laughs> what could have happened? <laughs> I don't know, that, there's so many questions. Like what would have caused them to drive 70 miles out of the way the day before they have this huge basketball game that they're super stoked about. Um, right. Like, why would they drive 70 miles out of the way and then park the car, turn it off and take the keys, like shut all the doors and then just like hike 20 miles in the dark and cold snowy mountains. Like, I don't see that happening. Also, why would they camp out in this trailer that was stocked with everything they could possibly need to survive, but use none of it and then slowly die over a 13 week period? of starvation and hypothermia what's really sad though is like when they went to go and search because the trailer wasn't that far from the car oh it was like 20 miles from the car so like they had walked a while 
okay, but still, the trailer's out there, and when they first started the search party, nobody came across the trailer? Right? Right? I'm just saying. It was really hard. Like, I read Unless, unless the trailer wasn't there to begin with right then. I mean, it was there because the Forest Service used it. Oh, the Forest Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but But also the terrain. Unless they weren't there. They might not have been there yet. And also the terrain was like super rough. They like it was hard for them to search to begin with because it was like hard to get through there. So I have so many questions. So many questions. Were they moved there? Did they really die there? Were they like did they all die outside and the one just get placed inside? Like Like, where the fuck is Gary? Where's Gary? Did he have a schizophrenic episode and just like lead right. everybody to this like havoc place so, and let them die did right. is he out like living his life right now as somebody else because he's schizophrenic and doesn't have his fucking meds exactly so there's all these kidnapped? theories there's did all they, these they actually get yes did they actually get kidnapped and gary was like kidnapped and taken somewhere else and and he's actually somewhere else or is he farther out and they just didn't find him Right, there's no telling because it's a huge area. Like they could have just not ever found it. Like, which is another reason that I'm like super against people hiking in national forests because it never ends well. Right, like don't hike in a national forest ever. Period. You don't know what's out there. But also, why were they there? It was 70 miles in the opposite direction they were supposed to be going. Why did they drive that way? Right. Did they did they get confused when they were at the gas the gas station and turned the wrong way? Right. And then so. <laughs> realized they were going the wrong way and they parked. So you're getting into a lot of the theories that I was gonna say. So, <laughs> so some people there's like a, a bunch of theories. Some people think that they're like at the basketball game and maybe they saw something that they shouldn't have seen in the parking lot after the game and were chased up the mountain which who knows that's kind of far out there I feel like I feel like that's not a good theory but okay continue some people think that they simply took a wrong turn because they stopped at the gas station after right some people think they simply took a wrong turn and got lost and then with that being a stressful situation they all kind of panicked and like fed off of each other's panic and it just kept going downhill I think originally started right and then maybe they didn't touch the food in the trailer because they knew the food wasn't theirs and they didn't want to steal it because they know like stealing's wrong. Like we shouldn't do this. That's so sad. Which is fucking heartbreaking, right? <laughs> so um, there was a theory that police looked into after it came out that because Gary had a friend that lived in Forbes Town, uh-huh. which was a city that was halfway between Chico and Yuba County. Right. So they thought, well, maybe after the game, they decided to drop by there for a bit. And maybe they got turned around and lost trying to find the friend's house. But this theory didn't end up being a likely explanation because it turned out that Gary hadn't talked to this friend in well over a year. So it was super unlikely that they were like headed to go visit this guy, like out of the blue. And then probably one of the most common theories is that Gary was behind the entire thing. So he was the one with the violent background and he didn't have his medication with him. And stopping his medication would have caused him to have a violent psychotic episode. Now, some people believe that Gary could have stopped taking his meds like in the days before the basketball game, which he had done a time or two in the past, causing causing him to have like episodes. Like he was known to like go off his medicine off and on. People believe that in a possible state of psychosis, he could have convinced his friends to abandon the car and head out into the forest where they would all like ultimately meet their deaths. Now, the sad truth is that in all probability, nobody will ever really know the truth of what happened to the Yuba County Five. So we can just speculate and think what we think and try to figure it out, but it's super frustrating. And that is that on that. Like that's, that's that so is crazy. the Yuba County that's Five, good, right? That is a good one, but it really, it's really, it's so sad like the deal of past was really sad to me too but like this one really is sad because of the situation and like right. the kids and how they are but like 
I'm not going to lie. The theory, the last theory, that's where I'm at. I'm like, I think that when they went to the gas station, Mm -hmm. instead of turning the way that they were supposed to turn, they turned the opposite direction thinking Mm -hmm. that they were supposed to go that way because it happens. I mean, shit, I do it. (laughs) Girl, girl, I know. (laughs) Girl, I do it. (laughs) And then after driving like quite a while down, they're like, okay, nothing looks familiar. I think I'm going the wrong way. Right. And but and still, why would they stop? They had gas. Because when they're in panic situation. Yeah. When they're because I'll tell you right now that it doesn't take somebody simple either. If I'm panicking, I'm gonna stop too. Cause nothing ever turns well if you're panicking and driving. That's true. That's true. <laughs> ever. I would at least stop and try like no, I would not sure. have gotten out of my vehicle. No. What I was going to say is I'm pretty sure that when the car was found that there was a map of the area, like a, a California map in the car. So I would think maybe they would stop and try to look at the map and like figure out where they were. But, that, but, but why them, get out of the car? They don't even know how to fucking, they don't even know how to read. So I mean, some I of them that either. Some of them knew right. how to read. But I'm saying like when they panicked and they stopped and pulled over and they turned off their car, Gary was schizophrenic. And even if under he had pressure, he could have episodes. Right. Under a stressful under situation pre- for sure. And, this and is also a stressful situation. Also, even if he hadn't stopped taking his meds day before days before, like it was a stressful situation and he didn't have his meds with him. So that's what I'm saying. He could have easily turned himself into an episode just from having a stressful situation because it is stressful. It's you know, late, it's eleven o'clock at night by now. Mm-hmm. You have no idea where you're at and how you should turn around and what you should be doing. Right. And no form of contact to call anybody that, yeah, you're going to panic. And with him being schizophrenic, I'm sure he was probably like, okay, well, I've, I'm, I've survived in this kind of stuff. Let's go. We're going to go this way. Right. He was kind of, he was, he was the quote leader of the unofficial leader of the pack. So then everyone's like, okay, yeah, he's, he knows what to do. Right. Let's let's follow him. But the problem is when it could have been they they could have got separated too mm-hmm. while they were going and you know three of them ended up not noticing that they were separated from the others and they went the other way and then it was just Gary and the other and they found the trailer and they go inside and Gary's like covering up the other one with all these blankets to keep him warm right but they still don't think that they should get food because it's not their food. That's so sad. When I read that, I was like, oh, my heart. Like, that's mm-hmm. the saddest shit ever. All these theories. Okay, I'm done. I'm done with the theories. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway. that's the Yuba County Five. This was so a good one. That's going to bug the shit out of me for the rest of my life. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> right. It, it's bothering me, so now it can bother you. You're if you'd like to if you'd like to get in on this this uh case breaking totally contact us because yeah like what do y'all think we'll solve it <laughs> Let, let's do it let's figure it out like what do you guys think happened where the fuck is gary where'd he go where'd he go where's he at okay well okay. that is your monthly bonus episode and share with your friends share with your friends be like, hey, these episodes are pretty interesting. You should probably listen to them, you know? like You should probably listen to them. Join. Come. Come hither. Come but not, little children. I was going to say not, <laughs> not in a culty way, but okay. <laughs> I'll take thee away. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, I know. Anyways, yeah. Okay, well, you okay. ready to be awkward? <laughs> I mean, I think you'd already did that for both of us. So. Let's be awkward. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye.